Thank you, Ruthann. Thank you, Anita. Several weeks ago, we began to discuss the issue of idols. Want to continue that discussion tonight. A couple of definitions of idols. I don't think there's any one definition you can say covers it all. But one definition would be the choice to let Christ be an add-on to a host of other good things, to other good activities. Christ plus. We do this much in Christianity as individuals, in our marriages, as families, as local churches. Yes, it's Christ plus. How many of us just couldn't get along without our music? It's Christ plus. How many of us couldn't get along without some friend? Christ plus. Some of the, within Christianity, some of the wars that Christianity has, and by wars I'm talking about worship wars and music wars, go back to Christ plus. Oh, we have Christ, but we need whatever my style of worship or my style of music might be. Another definition of an idol, something we can't or th we think we can't live without, which means we think we can live without God. Something we can't live without, which means we think we can live without God. In other th words, anything or anyone we demand to be content. How many young people have dated and said, I can't live without this guy, I can't live without this girl, and they get married against godly counsel and regret it for years. I thought I couldn't live without my Chevelle. And uh, that was basically God plus. Now another statement, a quote, I want you to ponder this one. The one confession we work so hard to avoid that our deepest, most pervasive, most abiding problem is us. The one confession we work so hard to avoid that our deepest, most pervasive, most abiding problem is us. How many times do we fret about what's going to happen in the U.S.? What's happening in the U.S. isn't our problem. It's what's happening within us and how we respond to that. Oh, my mate, my kids, my parents, if they would only. That's not the issue. The issue is what's going on within us. Well, if I had just a little more money, money's not the issue. What's going on within us? Well, if this person changed, then I would be different. 
what's going on within us. We find it so hard to admit that we're the problem when there's a problem. It's generally nothing outside of us. It's how we respond. Well, it may not be a good circumstance, but how are we responding to it? That makes a world of difference. So when I totaled my Chevelle and it was the fault of the other guy, the problem was not him. But I dwelled on him and I blamed him and everything else. But he wasn't the problem. It was how I was responding. I was the problem. So Ruth and I have a difficulty. Well, she would change, things would be different. No, they wouldn't. Because if she changes to what I like, I just become more and more my own idol, demanding change. I'm going to take our Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 3. I'm of the opinion that in Genesis chapter 3, we have the first pattern of human idolatry. And if we can kind of get a handle on what's happening in Genesis 3, we'll probably get a handle on what happens in our own lives. And we're prone to worship idols. And as we think about what's happening in Genesis 3, keep in mind that Satan's history precedes Genesis 3. Satan became discontent with his lot in life. Became discontent with being a created being. By the way, discontentment seems to be at the root of idolatry. He had a desire to be like God, so he attempted to usurp God's authority. And what's he doing? The very pattern he followed, he's doing with Adam and with Eve. Genesis 3 and verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we meet fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate, or ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. We see here in Genesis 3 that Satan is acting, the serpent is acting. And what's he doing? Sowing discontentment with God. Sowing discontentment with God, how? Through appearance. He appeared as a serpent. Adam and Eve were to rule over the animals, not speak to them. We'll see how far we get tonight, but you will find that much of our temptation for idolatry begins with appearance.
how many guys, and I'll use guys in this illustration, become discontent with their current set of wheels because they see another one. Pardon? Now I'm meddling. Oh, Jeff's fault. <laughs> How many of you ladies, gals, become discontent with your current clothing because you see some others? You know, just the whole issue of appearance. So what does, does Satan do? He appears as a serpent. He appears as one of God's created beings that were to be ruled over by Adam and Eve. What happens then? To create discontent, he comes to Eve, not to Adam. What is the serpent doing in coming to Eve rather than going to Adam? He's saying, I'm discontent with God's pattern. I don't like God's pattern. So I'm going to approach Adam and Eve distorting God's pattern. And Eve played right into it, and Adam played right into it, because she responded to the serpent. She spoke to him. And Adam sat there and left it happen. They became discontent with God's order. I'm not sure Eve recognized all that, but if Eve was content with God's order, she would have said, hold it, serpent. I'm not going to talk to you. If you want to talk to anyone, you talk to Adam. He's my leader. And Adam would have said, ho, ho, serpent, uh, you don't talk to my wife. I'm to be a leader around here. And besides, we don't even want to talk to you because we're to rule over you. Discontentment is already present. So what does he do? He raises a question. Did God really say? Did God really say? Did God really say? That's discontent with God's authority. God did say. He spoke. But discontent with God's authority. And what does he do then? He begins with the prohibition, not the freedom. Did God really say you must not eat fruit from any tree in the garden? Why didn't he word that differently? Why didn't he say, you know, God did say you can eat from any fruit or fruit from any tree in the garden. See, he's raising a question. He's casting doubt. And then he misquotes God. You must, did God really say you must not eat fruit from any tree in the garden? What did God say? God said you must not eat fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. We don't know what happened if Adam didn't instruct Eve properly or Eve just misquoted. But the serpent misquotes God. Did God really say, you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil? He didn't say that. Did God really say you must not eat fruit or not eat from any tree in the garden? There's a distortion of Scripture. By the time you get to the end of Genesis 3 and verse 1, Adam and Eve are discontent. That discontentment is well sown as seen 
in Eve's response. The woman said to the serpent, we meet fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Now notice what Eve says. We meet fruit from the trees in the garden. True. But God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. Where's that in Genesis 2, 15, 16, and 17? It's not there. God said in Genesis 2, verse 16, you are free to eat fruit from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. There's nothing about the middle of the garden. There's nothing about touching it. There's a distortion on Eve's part of what God said. What does the serpent do then? He blatantly lies. You will not surely die. This Eve and Adam are already discontent with God. Eve misquoted God, and now she buys into his lie. Now the serpent goes on with more distortion. More distortion and discontentment. Distortion and more distortion, that's not worded rightly, or correctly rather. The serpent says, for God knows your eyes will be open. You'll be like God, knowing good and evil. For God knows. Now we find the serpent speaking for God. For God knows. And Eve and Adam are accepting this. Whoa, serpent, you're putting words in God's mouth. Remember, he wanted to take the place of God. And he says, your eyes will be opened. They were already open to what God desired. They were already open to enjoying God and his creation. You will be like God. They're so discontent at this point that they're stepping out of their design as creator or created beings. <laughs> they're going to be like God. And he says, you'll know good and evil. What are they doing? They're stepping away from God. They're stepping away from his rule. They're stepping away from what he designed for them. They're basically discontent. And it comes from the serpent. And that's the way the serpent is. (laughs) 
And then we find that the woman, you know, saw the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom. We'll come at more on that either later tonight or next week. But the serpent is done now. I want you to realize, and I think this is so critical, that the serpent told only part of the story. He didn't tell the whole story. And every time we're tempted to idolatry, to put something before God, we're only seeing part of the story. The serpent did not say, you will realize that you're naked. See, nakedness was a good thing. Nakedness for Adam and Eve was not only physical nakedness, it was a total being open. They were open with one another mentally. So Adam comes in from doing his chores, if that's what he did, and Eve says, what are you doing today, Adam? And Adam says, well, how many hours do you got? He wasn't like men today. Well, I worked. No, totally open. And Eve says, uh, boy, the sunset is so beautiful tonight. And Adam kind of snuggles over and puts his arm around her and says, boy, you're really an emotional woman, aren't you? That's really great. But now they're going to be closed. Spiritually open with one another. Oh, Adam, I got a decision to make. And Adam says, sure, I'm to be leading here. See, the serpent didn't say, you're going to realize that you're naked. You're going to realize that nakedness is a good thing. Openness is a good thing. But now you're going to think it's bad. He didn't say that. He didn't tell them you will want to be closed. You'll want to cover. You'll want to make coverings. See, before, closed was, closed was bad, but now it's good. Now, do you ever think about how idolatrous we are, idolatrous we are, in worshiping ourselves? So, on the way out, I say to Joe, how are you doing? And I, oh, I'm doing pretty good. And he has a big, big struggle. What's he doing? He's hiding. Why? Because he's too proud to let someone share his burden. The serpent didn't say, Adam, Eve, I just want you to know, if you eat of the fruit, you're going to be closed, and that's a terrible thing. Do you ever think about how terrible it is to live a life of being closed? Most of us do that. How are you doing today? Fine. What happened this week? Oh, not a lot. But someone gave you $50,000 out of the goodness of their heart. 
You know, we jump around, oh, you're no good, really no good. You, know, you just kind of maintain it or whatever. Do you have any struggles you want to share? I'm doing pretty good. But yet your best friend died this week and you don't even tell him. See, the serpent didn't say you'll be closed. You won't want to share. You won't want to share mentally, socially, emotionally. For me, one of my greatest struggles in life is my battle with being closed. I can make life my own. I can't. But the devil wants me to think I can. No. End up worshiping myself. He didn't say... You will not desire to communicate with God openly. You will hide. He didn't say, now, Adam and Eve, I want you to understand that if you eat of this fruit, you will not desire to communicate with God. You had such good communication with God, you don't want to lose that, do you? So you really don't want to eat of the fruit, but here it is, eat, it of, it, eat of it anyway. He didn't say, you want to hide from God. We know they hid from God <laughs> when you get to verse 8. He didn't tell them that. It's just part of idolatry, you know. doesn't tell us what will happen. He didn't say you will protect self rather than being responsible. They played the blame game. Hey, God, it's this woman you put here with me. And then the woman says, ah, it's the serpent. Neither Adam nor Eve said, God, just want you to know, we chose to rebel against you. We chose not to trust you. We chose to become discontent with you. We willfully ate of the fruit. We blew it. We deserve to die. They didn't do that. And the serpent didn't tell them that they would protect themselves. You run into that all the time when you raise kids. Kids get in a fight. What's going on in here? He did it, she did it, he did it, she did it. I've been in prison often enough to visit people. I don't think I've uh, ever come across one that just said, Pastor, I want you to know I'm fully responsible. I have no excuse, none, for what I did. What's happening? Protecting self. The enemy did not say, you will blame God. You'll blame God, you'll blame Eve, you'll blame me. And that results in relational problems. Our idols create relational problems, but the enemy doesn't tell us that. There was a couple <clears throat> that uh, retired, and the fellow that was sharing the account saw this couple a couple years later and said, how are you doing? And the guy said, oh, we're just so tired. You're so tired, and you're retired. Yeah. 
we got a camper in our backyard now, we got a big boat in our backyard, and we got another thing in our backyard. They had four things in the backyard that they just had to keep up. And the guy was meticulous. So he'd have to keep the boat clean, he'd have to take care of the camper, and have to take care of his couple other things. And that resulted in relational problems. Nothing wrong with those items in and of themselves. But they created relational problems. The enemy did not say you will be under a curse in relating to your responsibilities. See, before Adam chose to eat of the fruit, he was to care for the garden, and it was going to be a joy and a pleasure. No weeds, apparently no rocks. You know, it's fun gardening and taking care of land if you don't have to worry about the weeds, don't have to worry about the rocks, and all the other things that go with it. Trust me, I know. The curse involved Adam's responsibility. For Eve, she was to be the mother of all living. <coughs> and she was supposed to have children, piece of cake. But now there's going to be pain in childbearing that apparently wasn't present before. The serpent didn't say, now look, if, uh, if you disobey God and you make this fruit your idol, I just want you to know, Adam, you're going to have weeds to pull. Weeds, what are they? There's going to be thistles. What are they? Eve just wants you to know when you give birth to children, there's going to be some pain. What's pain? He didn't tell them that. He didn't remind them that they would die. In fact, he said the opposite. You will not surely die. He didn't tell them you'll be put out of the garden. He didn't tell them that your offspring will be born dead spiritually. In every temptation to idols, the dark side is never shared. So I like the appearance of my Chevelle when I was looking at cars. It was the right kind. It was a Chevy, and it was a Chevelle. But there's some things that I did not recognize as that became an idol to me. That it would influence my relationship with my family and with Ruth Ann. Say, so what do you mean? When I washed my car and I parked it in the yard, my brothers better not get near it, or my sister or my parents. I would have told them. Influenced my relationship with Ruth Ann because she was afraid if, you know, she might get a little dirt in it or whatever and I might have something to say to her. I wasn't aware of the fact that <clears throat> as my car started to show some age and then when I totaled it that I would be heartbroken. Nothing wrong with the car. That's not the issue. But just was not told the other side.
take an example for you teenagers and you children. <clears throat> the world system, the media, will tell you time and time again, parents are dumb. They might not say it this way, but the bottom line is parents are dumb. You don't need to listen to them. They're old folkies. They don't have anything good to say. They're stupid. All of that ties in with idols. But you don't hear the, cons or the other side. That if you don't learn to obey mom and dad, you're going to struggle with responding to every other authority the rest of your life. You don't hear that. You're not told that you might end up in prison. You're not told that you're going to struggle in your marital relationship because you haven't learned to deal with authority. See, that's all left on the dark side. So a child, a teenager, may go into their late teen years thinking, it's my way or the highway. That doesn't work in marriage. That doesn't work on the job. That doesn't work as a citizen of the United States. And that doesn't work in responding to God. But yet we may go on with that mindset. I'm not a philosopher. I think I understand scripture. One of our greatest problems in America today is not our president, is not our Congress, or our Senate. One of the greatest problems is that there are millions of Americans who have bought into the devil's lie that they don't have to yield to authority. And that began when they were small. If you're a parent, one of the best things you can do for your children is to help them to understand it is imperative that they submit to authority. See, Adam and Eve didn't submit to authority. We're suffering the consequences. <laughs> See, the dark side wasn't seen. See, the enemy is very subtle. He'll use appearances. He'll distort God's pattern. He'll raise questions. He'll misquote God. And we get into trouble. At the core of idolatry, or very close to the core of idolatry, is discontentment. A man becomes discontent with his wife, or a wife becomes discontent with her husband, a children, or children become discontent with mom and dad, and mom and dad become discontent with their kids and, you know, end up yelling and screaming and so on. We become discontent with this and that and the next thing. And then something rises to the surface rather than God. 
being God and being who he desires to be in our lives. Questions, comments as we wrap it up?